Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Tony Biscay of RevsNet.com. We joined a little bit later by Revolution play-by-play announcer Brad Feldman, uh, Jim Dow of RevsNet.com, and Michael Jones, a publisher of Soccer New England. Uh, a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, Revolution coming away with a 3-2 to two loss against the Columbus crew last night. Disappointing result there. Uh, the crew also, despite the result, were eliminated from playoff contention, uh, while the Revs were finally eliminated from contention for the Supporters' Shield. Uh, of course, we didn't have a show last week, but Prior to that, there were, uh, the Revolution won the U.S. Open Cup on that midweek Wednesday game against FC Dallas. Certainly a good victory there. But since then, they've suffered two losses to the Chicago Fire and now the Columbus Crew. Not the momentum, they'd, they're not the streak they'd like to be going into heading towards the playoffs. Uh, I'm sure it's not. Uh, uh, it looked for a while last night that uh, we were cruising and uh, we were going to pull out the result once we forged ahead. But uh, Columbus has some dangerous players and uh, they can strike quickly as they showed. Yeah, and the, the Revs really, in the, as you mentioned, the first half, they looked like they were really dominating that game. The second half uh, really changed things. Uh, the addition of Scalotto, he certainly brought uh, change to the Columbus Crew lineup and added a spark to their attack and scored the, the game winner late in that match. Uh, twice now against the Revs, he's had really big games that have cost the team points. Uh, he's a guy that, as we've heard in the past, the Revs had a chance to sign. So uh, I think whoever made that decision might be might be second-guessing themselves on that one. But uh, the Revs do have one game left against Toronto before they head into the playoffs, which uh, they will be facing the Red Bulls now, confirmed from last night's results. So they will certainly look to be winning that game and hoping to build on that uh, heading into the playoffs because they do have some things they need to fix uh, looking at the, ra- the performance of the back line last night. Yeah. You know, this is such a steady team, week in, week out. Um, we may have a few periods uh, of, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes, a half hour, sometimes an entire half where we fall flat. But I, I don't see this team getting concerned, even though the results in the last couple of games haven't gone our way. Uh, we know that uh, once the guys, uh, once it's laid on the line uh, and they are, retain their concentration and, and they get out there and do what they know they have to do, uh, I think you're going to see a, a confident team out there. I don't think um, they, they need it. It would be nice to go to Toronto and, uh, you know, notch a, a win so we can gain a little bit of momentum. But uh, as far as the confidence goes, uh, I'm not worried about the team at all right now. It's an interesting over the season, the Revs haven't lost two games in a row. Uh, the entire season until this point, not the best time for that to come. But the Revs have locked up into a playoff spot and have really locked into second for uh, the past couple of weeks now. So, uh, they haven't had that much to play for. They've had a chance to support our shield, but it was a, a distant chance ever since that loss to D.C., uh, and especially going to the, last night's game. Um, they've been playing teams that are highly motivated, certainly. Teams that need these wins to have any chance of making the playoffs. Of course, the win did not help Columbus because uh, Chicago gained a point that was enough for them uh, to be knocked out of the playoff picture. But they have been playing teams fighting for their playoff lives. S- certainly that's not an easy way to be you know, heading down the stretch when you've already clinched a playoff spot. So, of course, as you said, uh, 
in a way, it's almost a moral victory just uh, to know that no, nobody got injured and that we got through the game. Um, you know, we accomplished some of the things we wanted to. We got a couple of goals. Uh, the, the defense definitely needs to uh, get a couple of their assignments straightened out. Uh, we can't have uh, those momentary lapses where we allow people to be wide open in front of the net. Um, and but but it, it has happened. And if there's anything to be concerned about, I guess that would be it. And I'm sure Steve Nichol will be addressing that. Yeah, we did get the chance to talk to Steve Nichol last night about about the uh, Revolution loss. He's certainly happy with the offensive performance last night, but he did have to express some concerns over the defense. Uh, he also was a little bit confused by some of the uh, the offsides calls on the first goal. Uh, and the rule as far as a player being offsides, coming from an offsides position, coming back to score or to get involved with the play, returning to an onside position. Uh, we do have his comments now about that. Obviously, the first goal, we lost the turning point. You know, we, we had a chance to go 2-0 up. And then they, they get the goal. Uh, you know, it's three bad goals. Three bad goals. I don't know whether this is the right time to bring this up, but this offside law that is in place at the moment is a complete and utter shambles. You know, nobody knows what's offside and what's not. In the first half, we're header and balls out when guys are offside and it's going straight to them and they're playing on, which is nonsense. You know, I haven't seen the replay, but all season, when a player's offside, just because he gets back onside, he's not, he's not, he's not allowed to touch the ball. That's what we've done all season. You know, I think Eddie Gavin's come from an offside position, albeit he's got back on, but all season we've been playing... You're not allowed to get involved in the play. So that's a, that's important because that makes it 1-1. Um, and it doesn't take away the fact that we lost three bad goals. You know, as I said, I don't know if this is the right time, but it's an absolute shambles. The, the rules are a joke. The linesmen don't know the rules. The referees don't know the rules. We don't know the rules. And I, I would I would imagine some gobbledygook you would get from, from UEFA about the rules as well. So something has to be done because it's nonsense. We've had a lot of games at the top of the season with teams needing wins to make the playoffs where you've really already locked up the second place yep. in the Eastern Conference. Is it a hard lot against uh, your team as motivated as some of these teams coming in? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's the problem, no. I, I, you know, I think our team is fairly consistent all the way through, you know, from start to finish in seasons. I don't see anybody try to take the foot off the pedal. Uh, we're just we're, we're getting punished for mistakes at the moment. Again, that was Revolution head coach Steve Nichol on last night's match. Uh, of course, upset, as we said, with the defense there. Uh, but the offense performed well, particularly in the first half, with having several chances, probably could have scored a few more goals, as Nichol said. Uh, Twelman scored a great goal to start off the match there. Uh, off yet another another great assist from Steve Ralston. Uh, the refs haven't scored too many times off corner kicks this year, but it was good to see that, you know, that happen on their way into the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we need to take advantage of these set plays, including corner kicks, free kicks, and so on. And we know Taylor uh, can do his thing in the air. So we, you know, Steve Ralston's one of the best crosses, if not the best, in the league. So hopefully we will keep taking advantage of those situations. Um, and um, uh, Taylor could have had definitely at least one other goal where. Um, uh, Pat Noonan set him up with a nice header over a defender that fell right on his feet, point-blank range, and it just took off and went over the bar. Um, but, you know, Taylor gets his chances. He's going to get some goals, you know that. So uh, uh, I'm not concerned about the offense. I, I don't think any, anybody that's followed this team, um, we know we can score goals. Um, it, it's more, more of a concern, uh, like... Uh, uh, whether players are offside or not, uh, you can't just give up on a play regardless. And um, 
Uh, you you can't let the referee decisions affect how you play. You've got to keep your concentration and clear all those balls out of there. And we also got the chance to talk to Twama last night about the uh, result. Uh, he was certainly wasn't wasn't happy with the Revs' recent streak and was almost at a loss for words uh, for what to for, to explain that. Um, we do have his comments that we can play. Yeah, obviously uh, it's kind of I don't know if discouraging. Definitely, you know, obviously two games before the playoffs, you don't want to have that kind of game, and uh, it's kind of been our story. You know, recently we're just not playing well. I don't know. I'm kind of, yeah, it's kind of you're kind of lost for words to be honest. You know, the second half we had a couple chances, but we're just gonna we're we're, not, we're giving up some soft goals, which is a, you know odd. And uh, you know, obviously it's not just the defense. You know, defense starts with Pat and I up top, but right now we're not we're not letting the other team earn their goals right now, and that's kind of the discouraging part. Last couple of games we've been going up against teams that are really desperate for the wins and have any chance of making the playoffs. Obviously, they're very motivated. It's been hard to offer you guys to match that motivation lower than the matches. You, you should always be motivated because you never know when it's going to be the last game, to be honest with you. So, to be honest with you, I think it's just, I don't know. You know, we're kind of all lost for words right now. We got we got one game to fix it before crunch time. And, uh, you know, I think we need to do it as soon as possible. Yeah, that, I think that's the most disappointing part of this is uh, obviously we had a phenomenal crowd tonight and, you know, we should have won the game. If anything, get a point. <laughs> and that was Taylor Twelman, the Revs' first goal scorer of the night, uh, who, as you mentioned, had a great assist uh, from Steve Ross in the play. Uh, Rawson also wasn't too happy with the Revs' recent streak, and we do have his comments on that as well. Like I said, the first half I thought we played great. We came in at halftime feeling really well, and then uh, we just... We weren't, we weren't the same team in the second half. I wish I could put my finger on, on, on what it was. I mean, we, could, we would have changed it, but, um, you know, have to watch the, watch the game on tape and see. Were you happy to see such a large crowd for the game? Absolutely. I knew there was going to be a great crowd. We've had a great crowd last week as well. I, I made sure I left a little bit early because last week I, I just got here in time because the traffic's been, been pretty bad out there. I mean, we, we got great fans here, and, and uh, you know, we love having their support. And we obviously wish we could have got a better result tonight for them. Whether you win or lose, we don't go in there playing well, and we haven't been playing playing well over 90 minutes. Particular reason why you just can't. Yeah, well, I wish I knew. I mean, yeah. obviously, like I said, I thought the first half was great, and the second half, um, I don't know, we looked a little sluggish. Looked looked like we were yeah. second to everything. You know, we got we got to keep our shape. I think a lot of it's mental. Just you know, you got to be turned on. You got to got to keep our shape and be organized. And I thought we lost our shape a little bit in the second half. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to say you want to you want to go into the playoffs having a little bit of momentum. Um, we've we've had it the last couple of years. There's been been some years we've won like five straight going into it, um, and you've gotten to the final. I think the last couple of years we've, we've we've won a few, lost a few, and gotten to, gotten to the final. So I think in the day, it's just you know, good teams rise to the occasion, and um, you know, we're gonna have to do that. How much will you enjoy playing in that role? In the middle? No, I like it. I mean, first half I thought I had more of the more of the ball. Second half. I think they did a better job. I think they dropped somebody in the midfield. They felt like they, they had more numbers in the middle of the field and, you know, couldn't find the space like we did in the first half. But maybe, maybe the right midfield is my best solution. I moved out there for five minutes and scored a goal. So whoever asked me to play, I'm fine with. I, I told you that before. I mean, I, I played right back, left midfield, center midfield. Whoever asked me to play, I have no problem doing that. So if it's in the middle, if it's in the middle, um, I'd be happy to play there. And that was Revs captain Steve Rawson, who played another great game. Just played so well this season, so consistently, and really had one of his best seasons as a member of the Revolution this year, leading the league in assists. 
Uh, it was great to see him get that uh, award from Adidas for breaking the all-time league assist record last night as well. Oh, definitely. Uh, and I agree, you know, that uh, earlier this season people were questioning whether uh, Steve had lost a step. And, uh, of course, being the intelligent player he is, um, uh, even as he ages, uh, the, the level of his game, uh, he, he manages to maintain it. Um, but uh, it's good to see Steve, especially now that he's playing in the middle. He's, he's uh, accepted the responsibility, and I used, actually used seen him take a, uh, some long-range shots that uh, are glancing off the bar, and he's just uh, basically taking it to another level and is starting to carry this team as the playmaker, um, be, mostly because uh, Andy Dorman um, just uh, wasn't uh, consistent enough, and, and Steve Nichol uh, brought in Steve uh, for the U.S. Open Cup. It worked well, and now uh, the last couple of games... Uh, that's certainly not been uh, one of our problems, uh, the, the playmaking. Uh, Steve Ralston's one of the best of all time. And that's a, uh, another big thing about him is his versatility there. As you mentioned, play left midfield, right midfield, in the center, right back, if you haven't seen him play in the past. He's just such a key contributor to this team. The, the other thing that was funny to hear him mention was about the traffic getting into the games and us getting late there. Uh, it, it was great to see such a big crowd last night, almost 23,000 uh, showing up there. Uh, for the Revolution game after they'd already clinched the playoff spot, uh, and a, certainly a cold night out there, the biggest crowd of the season for you know non-doubleheader or non-Beckham match. It's been great overall this year, though, seeing how many fans have shown up for Revolution matches. Uh, big improvement over last year. Yeah, it, it's really good to see the the crowds. I didn't realize they had opened up a couple of sections uh, until I arrived at the game, and uh, seeing that and uh, listening to the enthusiasm and the the, the noise level get kicked up a notch i think it affects the players and they obviously wanted to perform well and uh, unfortunately you know columbus uh, had their backs against the wall and they they had to come out and give it their all so it was actually a, a very enjoyable game to watch uh, the result just didn't fall our way and you could hear the disappointment from Twelman in his comments earlier about not getting the win in front of such a large crowd uh, we also talked to matt reese last night uh, he actually blamed himself for the third goal there uh, maybe you could have gotten to it, but certainly the defense was slow to react in that play as well. Uh, and we do have his comments on last night. He certainly wasn't too happy with the Revs' recent uh, run of form. You know, I thought first half we played a great game. Um, you know, we controlled the ball, we passed it around really well. And, you know, second half they uh, we, we kind of let them have the ball a little bit more. And, and uh, you know, we, we got punished for it. You know, they had... Uh, two two goals and then the, you know the third one at the end was uh was tough you know we uh, battled back and got got it tied at two and then uh you know it let in that third goal and go home losers it's a pretty good pretty good uh volley by the local one too. yeah it was it was difficult it you know it uh, it bounced kind of right as it got to me but you know it's it's one that i would i would hope to make the save on and you know, I just feel like I've, uh, you know, let the team out of uh, three points tonight, or at least one. You know, we didn't do enough job to, to keep the ball again. And, uh, you know, we got they, they started putting a little pressure on us, and we just started, you know, kicking the ball at the field and, and not holding on to it, not being patient like we were in the first half. Dropped three goals and a half, and, you know, it's something that we, we need to eradicate. You know, the, the last one's definitely my fault, and, uh, you know, the other two are situations where we need to take a look at the tape and find out you know how they got so wide open and that was revolution goalkeeper matt reese uh, on last night's result uh, certainly not happy with the defensive performance there by the revolution and letting them score those three goals especially after leading uh, one to nothing in the first half the Revs hadn't lost the game all season uh going into halftime with a lead until that match uh not the best time for them to do that again heading into the playoffs 
especially after the last game that we played at Columbus uh, with Columbus here at home, where they came back on us and managed to pull out a tie there. And now over the phone, we're joined by uh, Revolution uh, play-by-play TV announcer Brad Feldman. Brad, can you hear me? I can, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Everything's good. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And last night, the Revolution going up against a team uh, in Columbus that still thought they had a chance at the playoffs and were playing uh, like it, but the Revs really controlled the first half. What do you think changed going into that second half? Well, I actually thought that they controlled things going into the uh, you know the 60th minute when you know, so, so when uh, Eddie Gavin scored. I think that really was the watershed in the game. And uh, you know, the, the, the truth is, Columbus is not a great or particularly well balanced team, but they have some tremendous attacking threats. And the fact that uh, Guillermo Barrascoloto came on clearly tipped the, the balance. But it, to me, it really wasn't until he started to find his spaces. I thought uh, the Revs did a pretty good job of shutting him down when he first came on the field. But you saw the way he floated left to right in the middle, you know, left center channel, right center channel, just looking to take up spots where he, where he could hide and, and receive the ball and turn and face. And, you know, the guy isn't what he was 10 years ago, but what he does have is great field vision, an incredible touch on the ball, and, and just that knack for finding the, the, the open man or, the, you know, uh, a quality shot. And, uh, you know, he, he hurt the Rez a lot. Also, Eddie Gavin, like I wrote in my column on the Rez website, is not necessarily the best attacking player on the field, but he is... Uh, for 20 minutes a game, <laughs> usually the best attacking player on the field. And we saw that again. You know, when he got to the byline, that really made the goal. Stefani Miliranzi, uh, who, as my partner Greg Wallace had pointed out, um, really hadn't been very influential in the game. He did. He, he, he did. Uh, hang on one second, guys. I got. I got. I'm getting some delivery food right now. I didn't realize I was going to have to sign for it. So. Um, Give me a cup of coffee, please. Okay, sorry, guys. Give me a second there. Do you have a, a pen? All right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm getting a little food. I'm, I'm a solo parent this weekend, so you get, you're at home with Brad Feldman, I guess. Um, <laughs> i, I got to sign the, the slip and give it back to him. But to, to finish that point, I think that the, the revolution, you know, I don't know if they let their guards down so much as they just, in the end, they, you know, there's that lack of sharpness that we've seen in some games where they just haven't been able to close the deal. Now, you know, the one hand is, yeah, it's worrying going into into the playoffs. There's no question that's worrying going into the playoffs. The flip side is that you know it, the game is not particularly meaningful. And excuse me, one second. <laughs> the, the other thing they're looking at across the season uh, is the, the Rams have three games against Columbus this year. Every one of them, they've given up a goal in the 85th minute or later that has either cost them a win or cost them a draw. Uh, that, certainly, that's something surprising for the Revolution against the team in Columbus that. You know, it hasn't been that good uh, this season. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think if you look at the results around the league, guys, you know, Columbus, it's disappointing to, 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 you know, play them three times. Uh, to concede, I think it was a, a total of, what, ten goals? Uh, and, and to, you know, relinquish the leads that you talked about and not get a win. Uh, but the bottom line is they're not going to have to face them again. <laughs> you know, they're out, <laughs> they're out of the playoffs. So, yeah, like, if you, you want to look at it from a, you know, perspective of, well, you know, the, the revolution aren't taking care of good teams. But they also have had the ability to go to places like New York and, and Dallas and get results against teams that have fared much better. So, you know, those are the teams that they're more likely to have to worry about going forward. Certainly New York. Um, and the one team that they that they are very likely to see if they advance, who they have not 
gotten a result, a good result against since since May is DC United. That's the one that concerns me. To be honest with you, you know, yeah, you want to hit the ground running. You want to be peaking at the right time for these playoffs. So I don't mean to minimize last night's uh, defeat, but at the same time, you know, DC United is is a good team who are in the playoffs. Columbus Crew, Guillermo Barish, uh, Scalotto, they're not going to see them again until next spring. Well, that's another good point you bring up. Uh, the way the results go, the Revolution facing a New York team that they've had a lot of success against. Uh, had they finished first uh, over D.C., they might have had to face a team in Kansas City uh, where maybe they haven't had that much success against. Uh, certainly, they'd like to have the home field advantage going into the Eastern Conference Final, but as for the first round, they got to be happy facing the Red Bulls as opposed to some of the other options of the teams well, that I, I they could have ended up against. Actually, to be, I'll disagree with you there, Sean. I think the Reds show that they're a better team than Kansas City this year. Uh, in the season series, I think the Reds are clearly clearly had the edge. Chicago, on the other hand, worries you because they're a much improved team, and uh, to have to face them would be a concern. New York, it's hard to say because, you know, I think the Revs have done a good job of, of managing the games they've played and gotten a little bit of luck and, and you know, done pretty well over the, you know, I think it's two wins and, and a draw. But if you're in New York, you look at those games and say, well, if it wasn't that terrible own goal that they gave up, you know, if they hadn't just sort of dropped their guard in midfield, in that game in July when they lost one nothing to the Reds, you know, the, the, they, that the season series might have looked very different. And, you know, if they have Juan Pablo Angel and, and Josie Altidore and a, and a healthier now Claudio Reyna, that they might feel like, well, you know, if things break right, we could advance past uh, New England. So I don't think they're the easiest opponent in the first round. I think, you know, if I'm a bookmaker, I'll certainly give give the edge to, to New England based on their, you know, playoff experience and success. But uh, And also, the you know, the results of the season series on paper are what they are. But I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Styles make fights, and I think the, the Reds do match up pretty well against them. But, um, you know, if they can get any kind of flank play in New York, if Dane Richards and Dave Vandenberg can start swinging at some crosses, then all of a sudden on hell and to an extent out the door are going to be real dangers. And, and the Rebels will have a tough path if they are to make it back to the MLS Cup uh, if they do have to go through D.C. But uh, results last night with Chicago overtaking Kansas City for the fourth spot. Chicago's a team that maybe you could see uh, upset D.C., especially the way that they've played you know, against them this year and the way they've been playing lately with Blanco and uh, Juan Chope coming in. Uh, that might work to the Rebels' advantage as well, should they possibly get the upset in that series and have to play Chicago at home rather than heading to D.C. Yeah, obviously. You wouldn't want to go to Chicago and play them there. Um, you know, I feel like Cotemoc uh, Blanco is a lot like uh, Bauer Scalotto insofar as you know, he's not what he was, but he has the ability to be a game-breaker um, just by, by virtue of his... His uh, match savvy, his experience, and his skill, and uh, yes, you never know with it with, you know with a team like that. Um, DC is a better team than Chicago, I think, all across the board. Uh, they have more attacking weapons. You look at that, you know, sort of their front three or front four um, with with Moreno, Gomez, and Luciano Emilio, and on some days Fred, depending. You know, there's good Fred and there's bad Fred, um, but I think that. You know, yeah, you'd prefer Chicago at home by a long stretch over D.C. down there. And the Revs do have one game left of the regular season to finish off the air against Toronto. Uh, Toronto obviously already eliminated from the playoffs with the Revs. They've been uh, relegated, right? They're, they're going to be playing in USL1 next year? <laughs> I saw they had some press release that they've partnered with some USL1 clubs. I figured that that was their schedule for next year. <laughs> <laughs> but with that game coming up, Toronto certainly going to want to end the season on a positive note in front of their home fans. How important is it the Revs get out, come out of Toronto with a positive result? Not not going to affect their playoff positioning, but uh, as far as building building going into the playoffs, 
uh, not wanting to end the season on a, with a loss. Absolutely not. You know, they, they've beaten Toronto by a combined 7 to nothing through the first two games down down here in New England. So, you know, Sean, listen, they could go up there and lose 2 nothing, and everybody will be you know, singing a song of doom and gloom. And then if the Revs in game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals lay a thumping on New York, everybody will forget about it. But if they lose or, or draw and they go winless over their last three and everybody says they back into the playoffs, and then they, they, they don't, you know, do well going into the, you know, the first game in the playoffs. Then everybody will say, well, see, this is a different kind of season for the Revs as opposed to other Steve Nichol teams that, you know, they haven't surged in September and October and it costs them the playoffs. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you'd like to say, yeah, you want to be playing your best. You want to be playing well going into the postseason, but you never know. And I will say this. I think some of the guys who have been subpar, like uh, for me, Pat Noonan and Andy Dorman, compared to their, their le- the levels of play we've seen earlier from them, I think they're, they're holding something in reserve. <clears throat> I really do. I think that even Shari Joseph is going to ratchet it up a notch. I think uh, that Dorman's going to ratchet it up a notch. I think Dorman's going to be the starter uh, once the playoffs roll around, not Wells Thompson. And I think Pat Noonan is going to raise his energy level and his overall level of play. And so if they play possum these last three weeks and then go great guns uh, against New York, then it will have been the right thing. Brad, Tony Biscaya, how you doing? I know you, Tony. How are you? <laughs> you heard the voice before. Uh, question. I, I don't know if you saw the uh, Chivas game today and the last couple of games, and even D.C. They've rotated players, um, and they've made changes, not necessarily because they need to, but uh, because they want to get some of these guys out there and, and, and show them, uh, have them show what they can do to the coach and, uh, you know, make their decisions for starting lineups a little harder. Our setup is more set, and uh, obviously if everybody's available, you want to go with your first-choice guys, and uh, want, seeing Pat Noonan out there performing well like he has the last month is great because he, he, yeah, he just eats up the, the New York team. So. performed better, but I don't, think, I don't think Pat's back to 100%. I really don't. Right, but but you know that uh, he he's always historically performed well against New York, so mm-hmm. um, uh, having him on hand is definitely a plus. Sure, um, I wouldn't say but, that. Yeah, I certainly say it's a plus. Yeah, you still want him out there. But um, uh, what's your feeling on uh, if if you were a coach, would you be making the, the changes in the lineup this this late in the season, or would you know would you well, like well, Steve Nichol just go who, like who, who would you put it, be putting out there other than. Like maybe maybe Adam Christman, you know, maybe Adam Christman. They, they've given Wells Thompson the chance and sat Andy Dorman for the first time in two years. Right. Um, you know, are you going to put Abdulli Mansali or, or Sandy Niasi out there? I, you know, they're giving him some sub looks, and I think you're going to see some of them. Apparently, they were very good in the uh, in the reserve game this morning, the one-one draw for the crew reserves. But I don't, <laughs> you know, these guys are what 18, 19 years old. I don't know if they're going to roll those guys out there at this at this point in the season. And there's nobody else really besides Thompson and Crispin who have shown that they that they deserve the, the time and the chance. And those guys have been getting minutes. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't think that I think that Brian Byrne has fallen short of expectations. I think that Gary Flood probably exceeded expectations just getting into the lineup early in the season, but. I hate to say it because I like both of those guys personally. I think they're both a little lightweight for this league. You know, if you, you put them in, in slightly bigger, faster packages, then you know their skill set would be would be well suited for MLS. But uh, as it stands now, I think that they're, you know, at least in the New England setup, going to be reserve players. So, you know, I think Tony, within the, the limits of what the, the the roster as it presently stands will allow, Steve Nichols has been doing exactly the same thing. That's why Wells Thompson has started two weeks in a row. Right. We do got to wrap things up, but before we do, uh, could you tell us what you have 
uh, coming up on in the net and uh, the Revolution Interactive content on RevolutionSoccer.net. Uh, coming up, I have no idea, Sean. No, that's, that's not true. I, on uh, on Tuesday, I have a good show. Uh, uh, I expect to be joined by uh, one of the uh, the Toronto FC broadcasters, as well as Rob Stone uh, from ESPN, and of course the. Uh, uh, the excellent Jim Dow of, of Resnet and uh, View from the uh, from the Fort. So that's a, a good uh, triple play there on, on in the net on Tuesday. And uh, uh, you know, I think the thing to keep looking for on uh, on Revs TV is just the uh, you know the, the game previews. We try to get as many uh, as many sort of sound bites from from players, uh, you know, previewing the games so that you can get you know stuff that maybe isn't on the local news. Uh, last week was Matt Reese talking about this weekend's game. And uh, we also did a feature on the Res Award winners for 2007 at halftime that will, will be posted on the uh, on the website sometime this week as well. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and keep up the great work. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Again, Brad Feldman uh, joining us over the phone there. We'll be joined, actually, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be joined, actually, by Jim Dow uh, from ResNet.com as well on our show. Um, we'll be right back. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Tony Biscaya of Revsnet.com. Now over the phone, we have Jim Dow, writer for Revsnet.com. Jim, can you hear me? Hi, Sean. How are you? And hi, Tony. Hi. Thanks a lot for joining us today. My pleasure. And I know last night you had the opportunity to talk to uh, Guillermo Barrascoloto after the match there. Uh, he, he certainly made quite the impact coming in off the bench uh, for the crew, as he, as he has uh, over the season, uh, particularly the last time the Revs faced them. He also had a goal and an assist that uh, cost the Revs three points in that match. Oh, what did you find out from him after that game? Well, uh, I went in and uh, asked him uh, three questions. Uh, the first question was... Um, you know, if he were the coach of the revolution, uh, what would he tell his players uh, to do to mark him? And uh, Barcelota, I should I should explain, is um, is an icon in Argentina. He he probably is the single most popular player in Argentina. 
Um, the, the press cover him uh, even now that he's playing for Columbus. Um, and so he has a real presence as a, as a sort of individual. Uh, encountering him is, a, is, is, you know, quite, quite a thing. And he just looked at me and he smiled. And he said, uh, you know, it was, uh, he said, uh, my teammates made the goals, my teammates made the possibilities. You know, he gave a very, very diplomatic answer. And I looked back at him and I said, this is partially me speaking and, and partially through an interpreter. And I said, well, um, nothing happened for Columbus until you came in. So clearly, uh, you know, you had something to do with it. Was it a question of your sophistication or New England's lack of sophistication? And at that point, he broke into a smile and again gave a diplomatic answer. But I think the real answer was uh, the lack of sophistication of who he was playing against. And looking at the uh, Revolution's performance over against the Columbus crew, the as we mentioned when we had Brad on, the the three times the Revs have played the crew, uh, they've had a lead going in late, or they've or they've been uh, tied with the crew going in late. And the 85th minute uh, or plus, the Columbus crew have scored a goal all three games to either tie the match or win the match. Uh, this is a team that really hasn't done well over the regular season. What is it, the, what is it about the crew that uh, you see the Revs struggling with? Well, I think, first of all, the crew are a much better team than their record uh, indicates, partially because Chaletto was out for uh, a number of games, and also that he didn't come to the team uh, until, uh, you know, after after a certain amount of the season. I think he's a, he's a kind of a catalyst player who... Uh, doesn't necessarily um, do uh, spectacular things, uh, although certainly against the Revolution he has scored uh, scored goals and stuff. But I think what he does is he gives them a fulcrum, a, a point. Uh, really, actually, uh, if you think about it, very, very much like what Steve Ralston has done in the, in the last uh, three games that he's played for the Rev. I think the, the Revolution offensively have uh, undergone quite an interesting transformation with Ralston in the middle. Um, he gives them the, the same kind of uh, subtlety and possession that uh, Shaletto does. And, and you mentioned that change there uh, with Ross in the middle. He's done a great job. Uh, but on the other side, of that, put, they put Wells Thompson in the lineup over Andy Dorman. Uh, Wells obviously scored the game winner in the FC Dallas game uh, yeah. again, in the Open Cup final. Big goal there. Against Chicago, he didn't do as well. But I thought last night he had a pretty solid game there on the right which is going to leave Steve Nichol with some tough choices going into the playoffs. Brad seems to think that uh, Andy Dorman's going to be moved back uh, into the lineup before before the Revs head into the playoffs. But what do you see from this Revs team? Is this a permanent move that uh, we might be seeing in the playoffs? Well, I think we're seeing two things. I think, um, you know, the, the, the team is, it does not have a great deal of depth. But they do have two or three players who are kind of on the margins, on the bubble. Uh, who are actually very, very good players. And the question is, uh, do you put them in now and allow them to make mistakes and allow them to learn from their mistakes? And I think that's what's happening with Wells Thompson. Uh, there, there are reasons, I think, and very good reasons that uh, Nickel traded up to get Wells Thompson, but he has to play through a certain level of, of, of lack of sophistication. And I think what we're seeing with these uneven games from, from Wells is, is exactly that. But the question is, let's say he plays uh, next week. So that would mean he would have he would have played for I think four straight weeks out there on the on the right. He would have gotten more and more and more of an understanding with Jay Heaps. You know, part of the huge benefit of Ralston's playing on the wing is his understanding with Heaps. So that um, by that uh, he may come to the playoffs uh, a more experienced player. We may 
look like we're limping into the playoffs, and certainly it does appear that we're limping into the playoffs. But it may be a question of just allowing players to make mistakes uh, at a time when uh, it gives them experience. Hey, gentlemen, it's Tony. <clears throat> um, th- that probably, everything you just said is probably also applicable to Conor Smith, who Absolutely. started out fairly slowly and uh, people were scratching their heads wondering why we had brought this guy in. And then uh, since Steve Nichols stuck with the guy, he's uh, proven that he can be a tremendous asset for the team and pull out a couple of games for us. Right. I think the difference, I think the difference between, say, a player like Wells Thompson and Conor Smith is that Conor Smith does one or two things very, very, very well, and pretty much everything else not well. Uh, Wells Thompson does more things at a at a higher level on average than Conor Smith, but he doesn't have the blazing speed that Conor Smith has, and he doesn't have the screaming, screaming shot that Conor Smith has. Um, so, you know, I, I think what's so interesting about the professional game that, that I think people often fail to understand is that in the professional game, if you do one or two things really, really well, that's enough to get you a start. The other stuff can be covered by other people on the team. If you have a team, say like the Revolution, that have a lot of players who can do, who are multiple, you know, who can do many things well. So I think Connell Smith gets a certain amount of barracking from the fans, but he's also covered by the other players in, on the team. Um, and I think that's an important, an important situation. Yeah, and I, I, I would say that uh, the, the reason that, as you said, um, Steve Nichol moved up to get uh, Wells Thompson is because he eventually will be the, the kind of complete, versatile player Absolutely. that Steve Nichol uh, teams thrive on. If you look around, uh, you know, Shalvi Joseph, uh, Dorman, uh, uh, of course, Steve Ralston, all of those guys can be called on to cover for their teammates and they and they don't require much coaching those guys actually react to situations on the field and uh, a, a lot of the things that as you said the average fan doesn't really understand as they develop these guys are masters at it yeah and then and then and then to, to, to carry your point a little bit further which I completely agree with uh, imagine going to training every day as Wells Thompson and who are you training with Steve Ralston I mean that's like going to Harvard and studying with a Nobel laureate in physics Right. Well, look, looking at this team, and uh, you, know, you talked about the mistakes that they've been allowed to make over these past few games with guys like Wells Thompson in the lineup, and those opportunities. What do you see from this team going into the playoffs? They're going to be able to, you know, get their act together defensively, especially. Uh, obviously, the offense has been performing very highly uh, in recent weeks, but are they going to be able to get things together defensively for a run in the playoffs and maybe make it back to the cup? I think this is something that those of us who support the team, you know, really closely and also to some to one degree or another cover the team. And I would say this is, goes for the journalists who are there every day and for people like Tony and myself who are there, you know, one or two days a week. Uh, I don't think we have any idea what goes on in the dressing room. The question is, we don't know whether they can turn it on and off. Uh, you know, a great team and even a good, a really good professional team can, on, in any sport, but particularly in soccer, can turn it on and off. Um, I don't know if the revolution can. I, I, I would love to believe that they can. I would love to believe that some of the funkiness of, certainly the funkiness against Chicago was a result of being tired and playing the evening before the day the Chicago Marathon was canceled. I mean, those must have been arduous conditions, uh, you know, after having played three days before. But um, 
we just don't know if the team is, is capable of that kind of, uh, you know, flipping the switch. Uh, and flipping the switch defensively to shut down a game. Um, from evidence that we have, they can't do it. But maybe they're holding something back. I don't know. And certainly having Avery John hurt uh, is, is a problem because if, if, if anything else, it means lack of depth. Well, we do have to wrap things up here, but before we do, could you uh, tell us about any upcoming articles you have planned for Revnet? I know uh, Tony was telling me you got a Steve Rawson article that's going to be coming up shortly. I just put, did a piece on Steve Ralston, and, and um, you know I'm a huge Steve Ralston fan, but but I made the proposal that if if Steve Ralston's name was uh, uh, a Latino name, if it was uh, Stefano Rostini, and uh, <laughs> uh, that if uh, Karma Blanco's name was uh, Jackie White. Uh, Steve Ralston would be a DP. Uh, I, I think he's that good. And um, so the interview was was basically talking about, you know, how does a kid from uh, from the Middle West uh, learn to be, uh, you know, a, a real soccer sophisticate in the way that he is. Jim, that article's now been posted. I uh, uh, I know okay. you sent it to me yesterday, but because okay. it was game day, I I, oh, sure, uh, I I got it up there today. So any of you listening, if you haven't read the article, as always, it's outstanding work by Jim. And thanks again for your contribution, Jim. Oh, my pleasure, Tony. It's 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 fun. Well, thanks a lot thanks for you. joining us today, Jim. Great, Sean. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Keep up Bye. the great work. And that was uh, Jim Dow from RevsNet.com. We are going to take another quick break here, and then we'll be back with uh, Soccer New England publisher Michael Jones. <laughs> National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in the studio by Tony Biscaya. Writer and photographer for RevsNet.com. Now over the phone, we're joined by Michael Jones, publisher of Soccer New England. Michael, can you hear me? Yeah. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Hey, no problem, Sean. It's a pleasure. And could you tell us about uh, the new website you got for uh, Soccer New England and 
what some of the plans are for it? Well, we've uh, we've had a website for a number of years. It's been out for about six or seven years, but uh, we've always been a little bit frustrated because we had it designed by some outside people, and every time you want to sort of change the way a website looks and you have an outside source doing it, you have to pay them extra money to change to this and change that, and it gets really frustrating because the, the creative side of what you're trying to do often gets hindered by the, uh, the economic realities of publishing a soccer publication. So what we've decided to do is I've actually gone on a crash course and learned a little bit of HTML of my own, which uh, is, is kind of impressive for a, for a guy of my age, learning new tricks and everything. And now we've got a site that we really feel has got a lot more flexibility. So for now, it's not much different from the site you've seen, except a slightly different look and feel and different design. But we've got all the news, all the scores, all the various things. But as time goes on, we have now built into this whole design the, uh, the flexibility to add audio, add video, add... Um, a whole archive or every story we've ever published, which I think is something that will never be available anywhere else on the web, so there'll be a lot of stuff there. There'll be a lot of interactive stuff, so readers can actually submit stuff and actually make entries of their own. And um, basically anything you can imagine that can be done on, on, a, on a, you know, a 21st century website uh, can now be done on our site. So we're really excited. It's, it's just been a whole new um, learning experience for us, and um, it's... it's long overdue to be frank with you we, we, we long came to the conclusion long ago that the uh, kind of information we're putting out there is is better delivered online when you're talking about injury reports game reports the latest scores and things like this when we were doing it as a monthly publication i can't tell you the number of times i put a story out that was pretty much out of date before it even hit the, hit the press so to speak and uh, now that we're online we can change all of that stuff and i'd love to get into more of the uh, interactive multimedia stuff Michael, this is Tony Bishkaya from ResNet. How are you doing? Hey, Tony. How are you, man? I'm doing fine. Uh, I, I, you certainly uh, are going through something that I had to once uh, match my close-up shop last year, and, and uh, I know it's a lot of work, and uh, the, the website looks good, and uh, congratulations. And, uh, look, I'd like to see you, as you said, take it to the next level. And, of course, we appreciate the fine work you've been doing for so many years, and it's good to hear that you uh, intend to keep all those archives. Yeah, I mean, that, that, frankly, that's something that really excites me. I've been going back through some old print publications, and believe it or not, I've got print publications literally going back 25 years. And um, it's really a fascinating story. I mean, New England, for the longest time, has been the epicenter of soccer in this country. And, um, you know, going back as far as the 1984 Olympics, which we all know was held in Los Angeles, but fewer people perhaps realize that many of the soccer games for that tournament were held at Harvard University. And we've got match reports from those games, and we've got stories that were written around that time. Um, the launch of the uh, APSL back in the day when the um, Boston Bolts were the, the, the number one team, and long before the revolution, the days of the New England team, and we've got stories about all of that stuff. And uh, it's going to be a really fun exercise getting that stuff up online and making it available for everybody because it'll become a history of soccer in the region that, as I said earlier, is just simply not available anywhere. And uh, it'll be a great resource for us all. Well, talking about the website and uh, the new features you're going to have there, uh, the, the mag as you mentioned, it did used to be a publication in uh, magazine form or newspaper form. Is there still going to be uh, any, any publications to complement the website or are you going to be focusing more just on the website itself? 
That, Sean, is the $64,000 question. I tell you, in, in, if I had my way, I'd be perfectly frank with you. I'd like to sort of take this online and, and, and take away from the, from the print publication once and for all. The reason we've not done that up until now is because we've got a loyal group of advertisers, and, and we're really, really concerned that we make sure that we meet their needs as well. So this is uh, this time of year is, is what I call the selling season, usually around about Columbus Day through to... Memorial Day is when we sell most of our advertising. It's most of the tournaments are coming out of the woodwork, starting to plan their marketing for the next year. A lot of the camp advertisers after Christmas start jumping in. And it really does depend very much on them. If we can sit down with all of our advertisers and show them what we can offer them online, show them the flexibility that we can give them, show them the much more interactive, and frankly show them the less expensive advertising option, because when you don't have to pay a printer and you don't have to pay the U.S. Postal Service, you've got a much, much better economic model. You can make the thing work cheaper. Uh, but if our advertisers respond to what we've been doing online, then I think the days of the magazine are numbered. But if our advertisers tell us, hey, we really want the magazine and uh, we're not so excited about advertising unless it's in the magazine, then uh, we'll, we'll have to, you know, take that into consideration. There's definitely a, another part of this equation. The readers are a big part of it, obviously, and I do think without any hesitation we can say that we can offer our readers a better experience online than in print. But it's not just about the readers, it's also about the advertisers, and we have to take their concerns into consideration too. Michael, it's Tony. Um, a quick question. Uh, which of the um, levels of soccer do you consider your bread and butter? The, the, obviously, having a professional men's team <clears throat> uh, is something that you can piggyback. The law brings in a lot of fans and uh, draws attention to the sport in general and obviously publications about the sport. And uh, we will have uh, the WUSA coming back. Uh, how important is that to you? Because it seems that a, a, a fair amount of the stuff that you cover is more... Um, related to the local scene and uh, at, at various levels, not just the professional level. Yeah, I mean, we pride ourselves. Our mantra has always been the entire sport for the entire region. It's always been how we try to present it. And, and what we found, without any uh, hesitation, is that when we, whenever we try and tip the balance one way or another, do more rest coverage and a little bit less college or a little bit more college coverage, a little bit less youth, someone out there will slap us on the knuckles and say, hey, what about us? You know, don't, don't forget our, our thing. So... And we even find that within those various categories. So if you spend too much time covering the likes of BC, BU, and uh, UConn, the folks at the Division Three level, the Williamses, the Middlebury's, they'll still slap us on the wrist and say, hey, guys, come on, don't forget about us. So we really do pride ourselves on the fact that we cover it all. And frankly, the more there is to cover, the more exciting it is for us. The challenge is always resources. You know, we, we I always used to argue when the, when the original WUSA came along, I always argued that we covered it better than anybody anywhere until they actually started playing games. And then once they started playing games, the, the big papers, the Boston Globe, the Boston Herald put beat reporters on there. And because they got resources that we didn't have, they were able to actually do a pretty good job of covering the games. But all the lead up to the, the analysis of whether it was a better to go with this business model or that business model, all those kinds of backstories that went on in the lead up to the uh, WUSA's first launch in 2001, I don't think anybody covered it better than South and New England. Same is true now. We, and, and with the lessons learned, hopefully we'll be, we'll be able to do a better job once they actually start playing. I think we're covering the WUSA better than anybody. One of the things we're hoping to get going, and uh, we've had some good conversations with them, is, is uh, some regular blog entries from Joe Cummings, who's going to hopefully help us to get a lot of behind-the-scenes look 
at what's going on with that league as it launches in the in the next year and a half. And then, as I say, hopefully the lessons learned from last time, once the league starts playing in the spring of 2009, we've got to do a better job this time of making sure that we get the beat writers out there and cover the games and cover the personalities and the players and, and all that good stuff. But nobody covered the Tony DiCicco uh, hiring announcement more than Soccer New England. We were one of the first people to be called with the press release once it came official. We were the first people in the region to do an interview with Tony DiCicco. And um, so those sorts of things give me an awful lot of pride. And, and to get back to your question, we, we cover it all and we want to continue to cover it all. And I know you keep track of uh, the sport uh, throughout the region. Uh, obviously, the Revs doing well, we're going to going into the playoffs. Uh, what are some of the other things that you see in uh, the New England area, uh, in soccer-wise, that are worth keeping track of? Um, yeah, there's a number of sort of very good news stories. I think you kind of having a terrific year and, and could well be on the way to a, to a memorable year at the NCAA Division One men's level. Um, the, the usual players that you would also expect to see at Division Two, Division Three, Franklin Pierce doing very well again on the women's side. Um, these are these are the stories that we cover on a fairly regular basis. But I think one of the things that we've always prided ourselves on is, is the story behind the story and um, some of the trends that are sort of going on in the um, in the sport that don't necessarily get coverage on a day to day basis. So. We would look, for example, at the recent Women's World Cup, and not necessarily in the wake of the World Cup itself, but over the course of the next few weeks, we might put together some stories about what's going on in the coaching ranks uh, among our girls' teams, and are we giving our girls' players the kind of coaching, particularly on the area of technique, uh, that's going to be necessary to compete at the next level. I see things like, I see a, a brewing battle, for example, between high school and high-level youth clubs. Uh, there have been spats over the years between uh, clubs and high school, the MIAA in particular in Massachusetts, who have sort of tried to prevent high-level high school players from going to tournaments uh, during the high school season. And that, I think, is an ongoing uh, battle because some of these clubs now, the Scorpions and the Mass Premier Soccer and some of the other better-known clubs on the boys' side, the, the FC Greater Boston, they are actually giving the kids much, much higher level coaching than high school coaches are, are able to do, and they're giving them a higher level of competition. And so if they want to take a team off to a Thanksgiving tournament and it happens to coincide with the high school tournament, where does that player's loyalty get torn? And those are the sorts of stories that we like to cover, getting a little bit behind the scenes, so a little, a little bit less of, you know, Taylor Tormann scored in the 33rd minute of the game against so-and-so. Let's make it a little bit more in depth and try and find some of the issues that are going to really affect the sport long term. So those are the sorts of things we like to cover and uh, as I say, I think uh, on some level we do it better than anybody else. Well, thanks a lot for joining things, joining us today. The music music has got to wrap things up here, but uh, keep up the great work with Soccer New England. Thank you very much. Again, that was See you later, guys. Yeah, Bye -bye. Thanks a lot. Again, that was Michael Jones, the uh, publisher of Soccer New England. I'd like to thank Tony again for joining us today in studio, uh, doing some great work with the RevsNet. Uh, certainly some great pictures up there now from uh, last night's game and tailgate. Uh, it was certainly worth checking out. Uh, we will be back next week. Again, the Revolution game next week is at 1230 uh, in Toronto. That game will be on Fox Sports New England. Uh, again, you can get the archives of this show at revolutionrecap.com. I'd like to thank all our guests for joining us today, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, Sean.
50 years of service to the Blackstone Valley, this is WNRI Woonsocket.